You're listening to Hope on the Homefront, the official podcast for Homefront Heroes Ministries. I'm your host, Taylor Blackburn. We're a group of military wives on a mission to help you find joy in your journey. We're jumping in the trenches to encourage you when you're struggling, help you grow in your faith, and support you through military life. Because here, you are seen. Here, you're essential. Here, you are never alone. Welcome home. Let's go. Hey, Hope Keepers. I hope you're having a wonderful week so far. Thanks for letting us be a part of it. Today's topic is something that I actually, if I'm being completely honest, I hope and pray that you will never need. And I know that that might sound a little confusing, like, Taylor, why are you sharing something with me that you hope I will never use? Well, that is because today's topic is covering what to expect when you have to give birth alone. I have been there, I have done that, and I have come out on the other side knowing that it's possible, but also knowing that it is the furthest thing from enjoyable. And so it is my hope and prayer that you will never find yourself in the situation of having to go through that experience. However, I will say that in military life and as military wives, we have it ingrained in us to hope for the best, but plan for the worst. And that is what I want to help you do today is know that there is hope even in the midst of that hard thing, and to kind of have a little bit of a game plan, so to speak, to cling to throughout that experience. And so often I thrive after having conversations with people who have gone before me and have experienced these things, so I know that it is possible. So hopefully the things that I share today will be that source of comfort to you and for you if you find yourself in a similar situation to what I found myself in. Now I will preface all of what I'm about to say with the fact that I can only speak from my personal experience. So I understand and acknowledge the fact that birth is a very, very different woman to woman and, you know, hospital to hospital or birthing center to birthing center. Like there is no one size fits all for birth. Babies alone are not a one size fits all thing. And so we know that kiddos will decide when they're ready to come and they will make their grand entrance into the world in the way that they decide. And we have to kind of just respect that process. So as I'm speaking, You know, if you have a different birth plan that you establish or a different approach to birthing, um, know that me sharing my experience has nothing to do with trying to look down on anyone else's choices. So I just wanted to make that clear. The two main things that I'm going to be sharing today are the takeaways that I personally had after the fact of wow, I'm really glad that I knew that and focused on that because I feel like it helped me succeed. And then also, ah, I wish I would have known that because I would have done things very different. The first is that so much of birth is mental. I know that that might sound a little confusing because you're like, I don't really see what my brain has to do with anything. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be pushing a baby out of you know where. (laughs) The truth is, though, that your brain is what tells your body to do 
anything and everything, right? It all goes back to the brain. And so if you can get your mental headspace to the place that it needs to be, and if you can work really hard on strengthening yourself mentally to be prepared and to tackle your labor without your husband there, the better off you're going to be. Now, when I gave birth to our second baby, obviously I had one birth under my belt that gave me a lot of kind of built-in confidence. I figured out a lot of things. I went from a 14-hour labor with my first daughter to a seven-hour labor with our second. And I really think that is because of how much I figured out the first time during labor. And so this is kind of like a freebie side note. I'm just going to give in case this is your first time giving birth. The biggest thing that helped me when I was in labor, both or actually all three times, is I would picture waves. Okay. I sat on a chair. I'm not exaggerating. I sat on a wooden chair for five and a half hours laboring. Okay. And it felt like 30 minutes, maybe. I was visualizing myself in the ocean. And every time I would have a contraction, if you just picture this with me, a contraction comes and you will know when you feel it. <laughs> it's very intense. And you feel that, that tightening and that pain in a way. And as I would feel that, I would breathe in and I would visualize myself coming up on a wave as if I were surfing almost. I would come up on a wave and then as it would calm down and subside, I would breathe out and I would visualize myself coming down off the wave. And I did that up and down. I'm in the ocean and I would just breathe and breathe. And I really got into the Zen zone. (laughs) I was mentally in a place of just breathing and focusing. And that was so bizarre to me when my midwife said, oh, hey, Taylor, like you've been sitting in that chair for five and a half hours and I can see that, you know, you're working through things, but why don't we try to get up and walk around a little bit because I think your body might be getting a little used to to things happening. We need to move it along. Um, And so I, I share that because that visualization of the ocean and just breathing and picturing yourself going up on the waves and down with the waves and breathing and up and down, um, that really did help me. I feel like that was the biggest tool that I used in my labor to kind of get through the the pain of being in active labor and getting through transition and everything. Um, I had three unmedicated natural births and two of which I had in water in a water birth. Um, And then the third I had in a hospital and he was not born in the water, but um, great experiences with each of them. But the one where I was solo, which is kind of the point of today's episode. So I'll get back to the point. That birth, I took the same approach of I'm going to breathe. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to focus. I'm going to picture myself in the ocean, you know, Um, but beyond that, I do feel like I had to make sense of and find my peace with the fact that 
my greatest love, right? The other half of my heart, the other half of this life that I was bringing into the world, he was not going to be there. I had to make sense of the fact and find my peace with the fact that he was not going to be there to lock eyes with me in those really hard moments of having contractions and just trying to get through birth. I had to make sense of and find my peace with the fact that he wasn't going to be there to hold my hand and to rub my back and to put a wet towel over my forehead, whatever it was. He wasn't going to be there. I had to make sense of and find my peace with the fact that he wouldn't be there to hold our baby right away, to meet her right away. Um, There was a lot of making sense of and finding my peace with during that whole process. And... Quite honestly, it was hard, but I told myself this on repeat, and I do think it helped. So if you find yourself in a similar situation, I'm going to encourage you to tell yourself this on repeat too. It's very simple. Are you ready? You don't even have to pull out a pencil to make a note because it's that simple. Tell yourself this. I can do this. That's it. Tell yourself that over and over and over again, because it's the truth. You can do this. God designed our bodies as women. We are life bringers and givers, and we are able to build, you know, humans in our bellies, and we're able to birth them into the world, and that is amazing. And so, God has uniquely equipped us with the ability. I want you to know that he will sustain you with the energy, with the ability to bring yourself from point A to point B. God will never bring you to a situation and then just leave you hanging, okay? He is never going to stand you up. He is never going to let you down. That is not how he works. And so even though labor can be intimidating, labor can be intense, sometimes things don't go the way that we want. Sometimes things do turn a little bit more challenging and scary. You know, I believe with all my heart that God's will will be done at the end of it all. And that is the all that we can hope for. That is the best that we can do. We simply have to be faithful, to show up, to honor him, to pray, to trust, um, and do our part, you know, and, and reminding ourselves, I can do this and then give it to God. Like he is going to get you through it. So that is one of the biggest things, um, is just remembering that you are capable, that you can do such hard things. Think about the hardest thing that you've done as a military wife, okay? Military life naturally equips us as women to be able to do the impossible. I don't know how many times I have seen women pull off the impossible and extraordinary things. Um, We have kind of to our advantage a lifestyle that brings us to near breaking points, yet we come out stronger on the other end. So remember that. Beyond that, um, if you're able to get your husband on the phone, uh, maybe a FaceTime call or a video chat, if you're able to even just talk to him on the phone, I would say do it. I was able to talk to my husband while I was, I mean, about to push. And the funny thing is I remember looking up 
and seeing him teary-eyed, which he, you know, is a macho man who like never cries, but I, I saw him tearing up and it made me emotional in that moment. Like I broke my, my focus and my concentration of just labor, labor, labor. And I locked eyes with him on that screen and I started to get emotional for a moment and I, and I went to tell him something and then I, re- I realized that the screen was frozen. We had lost connection because the military had put him in like some concrete room in the middle of nowhere and there was no signal. Um, and so I got to just stare at him frozen on the screen, but at least he was teary eyed and it was so precious. Um, but if you can get them on the phone, definitely do it. If you're not able to get connected with them, have maybe a birth photographer there or a videographer there. I would say it is worth um, investing in that if you are able to financially afford that or if you feel comfortable with having someone of that nature in the room with you for that experience. Those memories are so priceless and they are so wonderful to have and I don't see it ever being something that you will regret having invested in. So that's another thing that just to put that on your radar, look at hiring someone to take photos of the day because you will not remember most of it. You're just going to be trying to get through it and then when it's all said and done, you'll be like, wow, I did not remember that happening. Oh, I didn't know I was sitting on a chair for five and a half hours. Okay. Um, okay, be- beyond that, if your husband is in a situation where he is not able to come home, then continue to try and just establish a support system around you, people who can come alongside you as your postpartum to help. You never know exactly how your hormones are going to treat you. For two of my births, I managed beautifully. My postpartum was you know, fairly uneventful. But for my third birth, I actually had postpartum, I don't know that it's called depression, but postpartum um, rage and anxiety. So I was very, very angry. It was a strange thing because I like to think I'm a nice, <laughs> nice, happy person. Um, but for about a month or two after having our son, I was filled with an intense rage that was pretty startling and hard for me to try and process through and figure out. And so as you are navigating, you know, balancing life back, getting your hormones back in in balance and figuring out nursing or just feeding, you know, bottle feeding, whatever it is, feeding a child, keeping a human alive besides yourself, like it's a big deal. And so as you're figuring all of that out, number one, be gracious with yourself. Give yourself time. Understand that your house might be dirtier than normal. Understand that you might be stinkier than usual. Understand that your appearance might not look um, what shall we say, uh, fierce and on fleek and on point. I don't know. I sound like a mom, don't I? I sound like a mom right now trying to be cool with her teenage kid. But the moral of the story is give yourself grace and time to just soak up those moments with your baby to adjust to this new life until you establish a new normal because I promise normal will come and cling to those people, friends, family, whomever you choose to 
really help you get through that time in your life. Do not feel like you have to be perfect. Do not feel like you are alone if things do not come easily. Do not feel like a failure if things are harder than you imagined. And especially don't sit there and try to do everything all on your own. One of the strongest things, and I have had to learn this, and I have had to swallow that pill sideways and it has hurt going down. One of the biggest things to remember is that it takes strength to ask for help because so often I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it because I didn't want people to think that I was weak. I didn't want people to think that I couldn't cut it, that I couldn't handle it. But I realized that that was pride, number one, and that it wasn't strong of me to try and act like I could do it all when I couldn't. It was better for me and it required more strength on my part to say, hey, I'm kind of struggling. I need some help. And so I just wanted to mention that because there is a whole lot of learning that goes into the after fact of having a baby. And especially if your husband is not around, you're not going to have that natural built-in support system there, that default person you can kind of count on and go to to help you and pick up the slack. You're going to be a little bit more, quote unquote, alone and on your own. And so make sure that you are allowing people who are in your life that are willing and able and, um, you know, ready to help you to allow them to do that. Use your voice, use your words, okay, as I tell my toddler, use your words, ask for help, much better than spiraling out of control, okay? Um, my husband, and this was one thing that I wanted to share, it was very important that I mentioned this, my husband was in between courses when I gave birth, and so, like I said, he missed the birth, but he was able to come home for two days. <laughs> now, that's two days total, including travel time from point A to point B, so we had, like, I don't know, maybe 24 hours total together by the time it was all said and done. And he was able to come home at least. And I'm very thankful for that because he got to meet our daughter before he left for several more months. And one thing that I was not expecting with that, that I wish I would have known so I could have done it different, is I would have been more selfish Does that make you scratch your head? Hmm? Are you sitting there like, what just came out of her mouth? (laughs) If you know me at all, you know that I do not advocate for selfishness. But in regards to this, I would actually say it's important to be selfish. I would encourage a little bit of selfishness. Okay. And what I mean by that is my husband came home and he had already been gone for several months. He came home and here I am. He surprised me. I didn't even know that he was coming. Um, The American Red Cross had said, oh, well, you're not on your deathbed, so no, he can't come. And he managed somehow, I don't even know what miracles he worked, but he managed to get home. But I was super surprised. I was not expecting it. And he comes home, and here I am, having just given birth to our baby, having made sense of and made peace with, right? Like this whole thing we talked about, this fact that he wasn't going to be here at all. And I was kind of like, okay with it. You know, what choice do we have, right? So then he he shows up and I just kept saying, how are you here? How, how are you here? What are you doing here? And he's like, you, you are happy, right? Um, but 
if you have ever had your husband leave for a while, okay, and then he comes back and he has all of these like supportive and loving family members or best friends that have missed him and wants to spend time with him, imagine all of those people being super excited to see him again, rightfully so. I mean, I miss him, of course. You miss your husband, of course. But there are lots of other people in our husband's lives that love them and care about them and want to spend time with them and miss them when they go. So imagine <laughs> him coming back just super briefly. And all of those people all at once are bombarding you with being so excited that he's back, which I get it. Um, but being super excited that he's back and it's kind of like you're just forgotten in the mix. Like I remember not expecting that and this might be terrible to admit to you guys, but I just remember feeling very, very lost and lonely and like nobody cared about me anymore. And that might sound selfish of me to say, but, you know, I would have expected a little bit of understanding that, you know, I want to spend time with my husband. I want my husband to meet our baby. I want to spend time together as a family. I was not expecting all of a sudden to just have so many people at my house until like one in the morning, not offering to leave or anything where I had to stay in my room kind of by myself trying to rest and figure out how to nurse this one that was a little bit more stubborn when it came to nursing and just figuring all that out like being asked to go to lunch and to go to dinner and to go to sporting games like so many things that completely confused me because here I am freshly having given birth, freshly postpartum, I'm still bleeding, right? I'm still recovering. I still feel very weak. And I don't want to go sit at a sporting event, sitting on some metal bleachers with all that happening. Like, no way. But being a people pleaser, having battled that, there was this pressure where I just felt so guilty saying no. I felt like I was robbing everyone of the ability to spend time with him. And I just felt so bad. And I think having looked back on things, and if you find yourself in a situation where your husband is able to come home, maybe for a few weeks, and then he has to go back or whatever, even if he's back back, and you're just trying to figure out life and adjust to life, listen, you have every right and I would even say a responsibility to tell everyone else that they can wait and that your family comes first, that your husband, you, your family being able to connect as a family unit, that is the most important. It is imperative for you all to get to bond together, to rest together, to acclimate together. There is no reason in the world why you should feel like you have to go sit in a room by yourself with your newborn so that everyone and their mama and granny can come hang out with your husband. As much as they have missed him and as deserving as he is of the, the chance to get to hang out and reconnect with everyone, you as a family deserve and need the time together 
to get used to what life means now because it is forever changed in such a beautiful way, but it's also a very overwhelming and kind of stressful season that you'll go through of just trying to figure things out. And so I want you to know that you do not have to do it all alone. You shouldn't do it all alone. So if that happens and he does get to come home and you start having person after person after person asking you to go do this and go do that and asking him to go do this and go do that, I would just say, uh, you know, selfish is probably a bit dramatic, but I would just say set very clear boundaries and communicate. You can do it with kindness, but communicate your needs and your expectations. So that way you're not in a situation where you're feeling guilty. You're not in a situation where you're feeling lost. You're not in a situation where you're sitting in a room by yourself overcome with with thoughts of loneliness and anxiety. Like don't let that be your reality. And the way that you accomplish that is through communicating, is through letting people know there is a time and a place for you to get to come in and, and we will welcome you in with open arms and let you, you know, meet our baby and spend time with us. We are so thankful for you, but that time is not now, okay? The biggest thing, again, remember, you can do this. God created you to do this and he will equip you to do what needs to be done to bring another beautiful soul into this world. You're going to do so great. And don't forget that it's okay to be a little bit selfish when it comes to that adjustment period. Um, And honestly, anytime throughout your pregnancy and your delivery and your adjustment of postpartum life, you need to advocate for yourself and your family because that's what comes first. Your sweet baby is what comes first. You and your mental health and your physical healing, that is what comes first. Your ability to connect and bond as a family, that is what comes first, okay? Everyone else can hit the brakes. They can take a moment and they'll have their time, but not until you say it's time, okay? And that is your hope on the home front. Thanks for tuning in. From our heart to yours, we hope that this podcast is your go-to place for encouragement on the home front. We would love to hear what your favorite takeaway was from this episode by having you take a screenshot and share it on your social media. Tag us at HFH underscore ministries or on Facebook at Homefront Heroes Ministries so we can get connected with you, get to know you more, and hear from you firsthand what specific encouragement you're looking for. This is home. This is the place to have the hard conversations. And until we chat next, get out there and find the joy.